the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Guys didn't get down, they didn't blink, they fought back from adversity. Right now they're growing every week, they're gaining confidence in each other and we're playing as a team. Welcome inside the official Jets podcast, Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here bringing you the Jets-Browns game preview. EA, the Jets looking to extend their winning streak to three games, of course, start of the season 0-2, homestand 2-0, of course, you put those together. We're at 2-2 here entering week five. After the first quarter of the season, we got a great show in store for you that today. Too. Brian too. Baldinger from NFL Network will be joining us, and then Chad Pennington is back in the rotation this week, uh, and he'll be as accurate as ever. So, before we dive in to Jets Brown specifically, what's been the biggest improvement, the biggest change from this team from the first two weeks to the second two weeks? This team said they were building towards something in Oakland, and we saw that against the Miami Dolphins. They really dominated on both sides of the ball in that game, and then we saw another step in their evolution against the Jacksonville Jaguars as the Jets put themselves in really solid position, up 20-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and then a couple of miscues, and all of a sudden you're in overtime, and it didn't look too good at times there in the fifth quarter, but they found a way to win. So now you're seeing different things from this team they get one victory in terms of, and, and that game had a totally different feel than the Jacksonville game because from start to finish, the Jets were in control against Miami. Against Jacksonville, they were in control late, let it slip away, but regained firm grasp of the ball game by winning in overtime. So, you know, good teams find different ways to win. And the Jets are starting to show signs of becoming a good team, okay? Now you have to have the consistency, and you want to see that this week against the Cleveland Browns. I think it's really cool to see this team develop and grow, a group of very young guys, obviously minus a couple people, such as Josh McCown, who's making somewhat of a homecoming to Cleveland. He was there for the past two seasons before this year, and he's been tremendous. We'll touch on him a little bit later. But when you watch this team, you know, there was so much talk about the team being a young team, being extremely young. And two things stick out to me, what head coach Todd Bowles said. He said, one, there's no age on winning. You don't have to be a certain age to win. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then after the Jets made a flurry of moves, releasing a bunch of veterans after last season, Todd said, entering 2017, we might not have the same names, but we got the same players. And it's really cool to see that come to fruition through the first four weeks of the season. And, you know, we'll touch on this a little bit later with Chad Pennington, but we're seeing the future of this team get experience on Sunday. I think I just want to jump off on something you said here. Darrell Rivas was released in the offseason. He's not signed with the team. Nick Mangold, unfortunately, you know, health problems are holding him back, and we don't know if Nick Mangold is ever going to play again. David Harris, who had a tremendous career here with the Jets, so far with the Patriots, he's been unable to crack that lineup, and that defense is struggling. 
Um, Brandon Marshall is enduring a lot of struggles across town right now. Eric Decker has had some ups and downs with Tennessee. So, you know, the Jets did make a lot of changes to the roster, but let's talk about some of the people they brought in. Absolutely. Jermaine Curse is leading the team in receptions. Jeremy Curley second on the team in receptions. Josh McCown's completed 70% of his passes because he's comfortable with some of these veteran wideouts who Mike McKagan and the company have brought in. And on the defensive side of the ball, how about Coney Ely against Jacksonville? Four PDs? That's a person who New England cut loose. And the Jets said, hey, he can help us out. And look at what Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers are doing with him up front. Four PDs, that's a franchise record. Also had an interception that set up a field goal for the Jets as they took a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. McCagna trades Dexter McDougal, who had an impressive training camp at the cornerback position. But McCagna thought, hey, listen, I need some depth at the safety position. Brings in Terrence Brooks, and the guy has been a revelation. He leads the team with two interceptions, one of the games after Miami AFC Defensive Player of the Week, but he's a professional, he's tough, he's a good tackler, and he gives Bowles and Casey Rogers flexibility in terms of how many safeties they're using. Greens this week, you wrote about the Jets not only employing three safety packages, but four because Rontez Miles was back in the lineup mm -hmm. last week. And then finally, uh, look at the linebacker position. David Bass just came in here from Seattle. He's got a couple sacks. So... Credit the personnel department and credit the coaching staff. So, yes, those guys, none of those guys, maybe curse a little bit because he's had tasted success uh, at the Super Bowl level. He's got a championship ring, and he's played under the brightest lights. But a lot of those guys that I just mentioned aren't household names like the other guys we mentioned at the top who the Jets parted ways with in the offseason. But they've come in here and they are producing immediately. I want to take it a step further uh, when you talk about the personnel department. Let's talk about, you know, someone like Robbie Anderson, who was an undrafted free agent a year ago, and now he's a starting wide receiver for the New York Jets. Or how about Lawrence Thomas, undrafted free agent? Mm -hmm. He plays offense, defense, he and changed, special He changed teams. his number to 44, so he, if you're ordering his jersey at JetShop.com, it's 4-4. But does that make the 97 a uh, uh it's a throwback. It, yeah, yeah. It, I don't throwback? know. I say it keep vintage? it. No, I say you always can keep it. Sure, yeah. it's vintage. Sure. Well, but, but then you look at some of the other guys that it's like have Kobe, been, twenty-four and eight. Exactly. <laughs> but but how about someone like Brandon Shell? Yep. Fifth-round draft pick, now starting on the right side right. of the offensive Eli line. McGuire, Eli McGuire, sixth-round pick, who just had ninety-three yards and wow, he showed some quicks against. Or, or uh, how about Justin Burris? fourth-year pick, or Daryl Roberts, who was claimed off of waivers at the beginning of last year. Those two guys have been opposite Morris Claiborne when Buster Screen goes in the nickel. Or yeah. how about Austin Safarian Jenkins, who yeah. was claimed on waivers last year? Yeah, that's right. So, listen, this is all about the Jets coming together and building. And Christopher Johnson said it a couple weeks ago after the Oakland game that this team's going to win some games. Wouldn't you know? They went two in a row after Christopher Johnson said that. And there will be growing pains along mm -hmm. the way. It's still going to happen. We all know that. But uh, this team right now is exciting because you're seeing some of these younger guys mesh in with some of those older players. Uh, and Josh McCown, one of the three players on this roster over 30, he's completing 70% of his passes. We'll break it down with Chad Pennington later. But 
you know, breaks it down great. Brian Baldinger from NFL Network. You have to follow him at Baldy NFL, especially on Mondays, because on Mondays, this guy is breaking it down inside the film room. Tremendous job, as always, Baldy. First off, just how impressed have you been by Jet Safety, Jamal Adams, because you're all over him so far early this season. Yeah, I call him the Cobra, because he strikes like a Cobra. And, uh, you know, he, he plays with a great deal of confidence, great deal of movement, and, uh, you know, he's just a fierce hitter and a fierce competitor. But you really can't take your eyes off from just some of the touchdown-saving tackles, you know, a couple weeks ago against Marshawn Lynch coming across the field, to the other side of the field, you know, tackling him, you know, at the three-yard line, the touchdown-saving tackle yesterday at the end of regulation time. Uh, on Chris Ivory and saving that touchdown and forcing the field goal. I mean, those kind of plays or splash plays, but then just, you know, just just the pure joy that he plays the game with, man. He's having a good time out there, and I don't think he's really looking at any records or scoreboards or anything. I think he's just enjoying playing the game. Having the energy of someone like Jamal Adams, what do you think, what kind of impact does that have on a Jets team that's extremely young? Well, it's contagious. It's really contagious, you know. I mean, him and Marcus back there at safeties and, you know, make Mo Claiborne and Buster Screen. I mean, these guys are in their second and third chances in this league. They're just looking for an opportunity to continue to play. And you get this, you know, you know young hot shot. I don't want to call him a hot shot. I mean, this young safety coming in, playing with all this confidence and, and energy. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just it, it's just contagious. I mean, I, would, I think everybody wants to play at that level. Baldies. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is, Obviously, he's prepared. He's, he doesn't look like he gets fooled very often. He doesn't look like he blows many assignments. So, that means his head's in the game all week. And uh, nothing's too big for him. You know, the, the situations, the players. Uh, yesterday, you know, whether it's regulation, overtime, uh, there's a chance to win a game. And that's that's all he was trying to do is trying to contribute to that. But I, I think everybody is speeding off him right now. I, I saw the, the Jets' defense with a number of big stops, and you saw the energy of them come sprinting off the field. And you didn't see that necessarily start, start the season, but there was a lot of huge you know, third-down stops, one just bigger than the other, just to get the game into overtime. NFL Network's Brian Baldinger here joining us on the official Jets podcast. Baldy, you followed Todd Bowles throughout his coaching career. Now – with what the Jets have in terms of talent, with their front line at safety, when we're talking about Jamal Adams and Marcus May, of course, and then depth in the form of Terrence Brooks and Rontez Miles, just how much does that open things up for him and Casey Rogers as play callers now? Well, Terrence Brooks was huge. You know, he was traded. He came from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was shocked that he was traded in a situation, you know, for late round draft because he played well in Philadelphia in the preseason and the guys that are here they moved for Baltimore and so you know he just was looking for a chance to play and uh, you know whether it's in the slot wherever it's at special teams um, he's just looking for an opportunity right now and I just thought I just think that he came up a good preseason in Philadelphia I live here I had a chance to kind of watch him play a little bit but now you know he's getting that opportunity and uh, you know I think he's making the best of it right now and so uh you can't help but notice some of these guys that are, are getting that opportunity and what they're doing with it. Baldy, what do you, what do you think of May so far? Um, obviously, he came in from Florida, a guy who was uh, 
he made a lot of plays at Florida. He was a ball hawk uh, here in the summer, still looking for his first career interception. But everybody to a man, Todd Bowles, Baldy says, this guy is a tremendous open field tackler, and he also is a guy responsible for getting everybody in place back there. Well, I agree. And, you know, they go back and forth between LSU, where Jamal's from, and, you know, Marcus at Florida, which is DBU. I mean, both of them, both schools had, you know, three defensive backs drafted, you know, and uh, all these guys are playing. And, you know, all the guys from LSU with Jamal are all playing today because White's playing really well up at Buffalo. But, uh, you know, they just they, they come from a conference where they're used to seeing running backs like Leonard Fournette. You know, they're used to seeing the elite players in the NFL coming through Alabama and through Florida. And so, you know, they get here, and a lot of these guys, I mean, I know that his defensive back coach in Florida is now the head coach, you know, at Temple, Jeff Collins, and yep. he played a lot of NFL-type defenses there in Florida, a lot of NFL-type coverages. You know, and uh, they see a lot of NFL offenses, you know, with the power run game in the SEC. So I think it, it helps prepare them, you know, for the NFL. But, uh, you know, that's the college game is a college game. These guys got to prepare for a whole lot more. The playbook's a lot bigger. What teams do offensively is uh, much more diverse. And, uh, you know, the big thing at safety in this business is make sure your eyes in the wrong, are in the right place. And it looks like both Marcus and Jamal, even Jamal, just watching him yesterday, like, he doesn't really fire until he's sure. Because play action can fool any safeties in this business. Yeah. You know, some of these uh, pass, uh, read pass options that, that they have going on, uh, you know, if you put your eyes in the wrong place, you're going to get fooled. They're going to get what they want. They're going to get the ball behind you. And yesterday they couldn't get the ball over their head yesterday. So their eyes are in the right place, and that's a big place. That's a big part of playing safety at a young age here in this league. Baldy, on the other side of the ball, what have been your initial impressions of Josh McCown, who's a 38-year-old vet, the only quarterback remaining from the 0-2 draft? And coming into this year, it was a question of, is he just going to serve as a leader to both Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg? But so far, the Jets are 500, and very well, come Monday, could be 3-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Josh, one thing about Josh is he's very well prepared, and he's a complete pro. Uh, I don't know if Josh is on a six-team right now, seven-team. I've lost track. It's sure a tenth, tenth team. Can but you believe not, it? I, well, I mean, I, I remember Josh making his first start in the NFL. I did the game. It was 2002 against the Cowboys. It was in Dallas. And Dallas did everything they could to him. He's a Texas kid, Texas tough. You know, and, you know, Dallas did in 2002 did everything they could to disrupt them, and they couldn't. I mean, he was a tremendous athlete. Here he is 15 years later. He's still bouncing around. He knows how to prepare. He's been in a lot of systems. Um, he knows how to get guys lined up. And, uh, look, I mean, they hit him yesterday. They've got a good pass rush there. They hit him, but they didn't discourage him. He didn't make many mistakes yesterday. Sense. So, uh, you know, for the most part, he's been steady. And that's what they need at that position. They don't have a lot of stars out there. They pick up a Jeremy Curley, an Austin Safarian Jenkins getting an opportunity. You know, Bilal Powell has an amazing game yesterday. You know, Curse, I mean, they're picking guys up off the wire. It's up to him to make sure these guys know what they're doing, make sure that they're lined up, make sure they're in the right places. He's got to do all that because it's a lot to ask guys that are coming into a new system, you know, from other teams in a short notice and getting up at speed and ready to play. Yes. And, you know, you complete two-thirds of your passes on a day where the running game was really was really rolling against a talented defense. Um it was an amazing day. I mean, they put up almost 500 yards of offense. 
not many Jets teams here the last few years who say they put up 500 yards of offense. No, you're any right. opponent in this league, and Josh is the quarterback of it. Yeah, you're right, Baldy. I'll tell you what, I think uh, both Greens and I would say that offensive coordinator John Morton has done a tremendous job with all the moving pieces. You mentioned the aforementioned Jermaine Curse and Austin Safarian Jenkins and Jeremy Curley and Eli McGuire had 93 yards rushing against the yeah. Jags. The offensive line did a tremendous job. They ran it down their throat. Uh, for more than 250 yards, averaging eight yards per carry with 30 rush attempts. But since this is the official preview on the Jets' official podcast, what do you think about this matchup this weekend in Cleveland? The Browns still searching for their first win. They're going to play hard for Hugh Jackson. But uh, what do you think about the Jets this weekend going to Lake Erie and trying to secure their third straight victory? Well, I think you know when you when you look at the Jets' defense here, they're going up against Deshaun Kaiser, rookie. He's making rookie mistakes. Um, I think you got to affect him. You got to affect Deshaun Kaiser. You got to get him to cough the ball up, to make some mistakes. Uh, he stares down his receivers a bit. Um, he's not the most accurate guy. Uh, they're hungry. They're getting close. Yesterday was a disaster for him as Cincinnati came to town and. Uh, the game was never close at all during it. And, um, you know, Cincinnati put it all together for the first time this season. So, but look, I mean, they're not going 0-16 like a lot of people thought the Jets might. But this is a great opportunity to get north of 500. There's no question. This is not a complete football team. They're struggling for confidence. Um, you never take any of these teams lightly. They've got talent. But this is a very winnable game for the Jets. And if they can run the ball – Anything like they did yesterday, it, it really helps. It helps everybody else out. You know, I mean, uh, that's just it's just the way it is in this league. When you can get, uh, you know, the I think they had, you know, they had somewhere around thirty or thirty-two carries yesterday. Mm-hmm. They really balanced it up, so they got the play action off it. When you run the ball thirty-two times for as effective as they did, the play action you got to make it pay off. And yesterday they got they got a couple shots in there. They got the shot to to Robbie Anderson down the field. You know, they got the, uh, you know, the shot to just off the superior changes. They got some explosive plays, and that's what Johnny Morton wants to do. They had six explosive plays in the passing game, and that's all coming off a lot of play uh, run action. And I don't care who you are in this league. You get six explosive plays in the passing game. That's a pretty good day of offense. You're flipping the field position, and uh, you're picking up some big chunks. What's the Brian Baldinger formula for this Jets team in order to attack the Cleveland Browns and end up north of 500 come Monday? Well, I, you'd like to see the, the balance that they had. Jacksonville is a more talented defense than Cleveland. doesn't mean they're going to have the same success um, against Cleveland, but they're, they're a talented defense. Uh, they paid a lot of money in free agency for Malik Jackson and, uh, you know, Calais Campbell, and they drafted at the top of the draft for guys like Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. Et cetera, et cetera, but you know they haven't put it together. And Cleveland's got a lot of talent on that side of the ball too. You may see, you know, the first pack, the first pick in the draft this weekend. Uh, you know, which will be interesting to see what Miles can do uh, in his first action. Should he be ready to go? But look, I thought they played well up front. I thought James Carpenter, is, you know, having him in there next to Wesley Johnson and Brian Winters, those three guys inside, for the most part, they did a pretty good job of allowing uh, McCown to step up and to really open things up in the run game. 
I mean, I think that's where it's going to be won. You've seen what Kelvin Beecham can do in this business. Uh, he's a natural leader. Uh, when healthy, he's a good player at left tackle. He's been a good player in Pittsburgh. Was a good player in Jacksonville. Uh, when healthy, he's a good player. And he really solidifies that left tackle position, a position that they've been trying to, to figure out now for the last two years. You're going to follow him at Baldy NFL. You have to follow him, Greens, on Mondays for those video reviews. And, of course, we'll be watching you on NFL Network. Great catching up with you, buddy. My pleasure, Yeah, Anytime now. All right, Baldy, clearly a fan of Jamal Adams. He breaks him down about every, once every a Monday. Every Monday on and, and Twitter. And Baldy NFL. <laughs> it, 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 he's tremendous, and his film breakdown is tremendous. Something that stuck out to me is that he said Jamal Adams strikes like a cobra. And you hear Coach Bowles talk about Jamal Adams has great eyes. He reads his keys well. He reacts well. His instincts are there. And then when he – and something that Baldy said is when he knows, then he fires. He doesn't misfire – too much. You'd expect a rookie to misfire here and there to endure some ebbs and flows of having not a lot of experience in the NFL, but he said when Jamal Adams sees it, he attacks and he strikes like a cobra. I thought it was a great analogy. Uh, I think a lot of people said he was the cleanest prospect in the 2017 NFL draft because he's got great football instincts and awareness is that he sees the game so well. You talked about Todd Bowles saying he's got great eyes. You see that on film. And, you know, another thing that scouts like to say is this guy's sudden. And I heard Bart Scott talk about it the other day um, as we prepared for Jets flight plan. Aaron, 1130 Sunday mornings, or you can check out our film review packages on NewYorkJets.com. He says he's sudden. That means he's explosive. He gets to the ball. We think about that play he made against Oakland where he hurdled over a couple Jets defenders. Yep. He takes down Marshawn Lynch. We think about the PD against Miami where he's playing center field and then he comes all the way over to the boundary for a dive in PD. Then last week, Jacksonville is in there. It's 2017. They score a touchdown. You lose that ball game. He had a key tackle on Leonard Fournette. When Chris it looked, Ivory. Chris oh, Ivory. Wait, was it Ivory? It looked like he had room to the edge there. Mm -hmm. In years past, you're thinking, hey, maybe that's a touchdown, but 33 pops on the screen and he makes that tackle, and that's what you want at the safety position. All right, so let's transition now. We're going to touch on Cleveland because the Jets are playing the Browns this Sunday in the dog pound. The Jets again on the road for the first time in after two games at home. Yeah, first and time so, in three weeks. First time in third, three weeks. Third road game of the season. Third, exactly, and Jets are looking for their first win on the road. Granted, this is a very different team than a couple weeks ago when the Jets traveled to Buffalo and Oakland. And Coach Bowles keeps saying that the team is slowly finding its identity. But I think it's time, EA. You know, we like we couldn't do it last week. But let's go down to Kentucky so we can check in with Chad Pennington. Chad, what's something that you point to about this Jets team that you're very impressed with through four games of the season? Well, I think uh, that we need to give credit to Coach Bowles and his coaching staff. I think they've done an absolutely wonderful job of coaching this team. And regardless of whether or not you think that they have superstars or good players or what have you, I think the staff has really done a great job of coaching and teaching the aspects of the game that they want taught to their young players. And you can see that on the field. You see improvement. Uh, I saw a team Sunday that played with energy and yep. played together and 
has a good chemistry and you know really had a chance to fold on Sunday and did not fold regardless of the adversity that they faced because I felt like they truly outplayed Jacksonville. It shouldn't even have been an overtime win. But at least the synergy, the energy, the enthusiasm, those intangibles, they're there. And I think that is um, you know, a compliment to the coaching staff and what they've been able to do with this young team in four games. What do you think of the balance developing here on offense? Obviously, you're not going to rush for 256 yards every week and average eight yards a pop, but they gassed Jacksonville pretty good. Yeah, I, I saw in the, in the Jacksonville game that they really started to establish control of the line of scrimmage. And even when they may have not gotten a lot of movement, they were covering defenders up and allowing these backs to make these cuts. And what I was really impressed with with the two running backs was Powell McGuire was that when they saw a crease, they put their foot in the ground, made one cut, did not dance in the hole, and they hit the seam with authority and with aggression. And that's important. That, that gets you the extra yards you need. That turns four-yard runs into seven- and eight-yard runs. It turns... 10-yard runs into explosive plays of 20-plus yard runs. And so when you can do that and you have backs that are running with a purpose like this and running with decisiveness, it really gives an energy boost to your offense. And I think they provided that in the running game. What do you make of uh, Jets fans saying sometimes they're conflicted? I hosted a radio show the other night with Bart Scott inside the Jets. You can listen to it on the official Jets Podcast Network and on ESPN Radio Monday nights, 7 p.m. Watch it on our Facebook page. But, you know, some fans were calling up Chad and saying, you know, I don't know how to feel. I like the way the Jets are playing on the field, but there's this mentality now in sports and I think we've gotten it from maybe the Philadelphia 76ers and people talking about the process and asset collection that people are looking ahead, way ahead, to things like who's going to be the top quarterback in the draft? Is Sam Darnold coming out of USC? What do you think of Josh Rosen? How about Mason Rudolph? Oh, Lamar Jackson's an interesting athlete if he ever came out. How about Luke Falk from Washington State? He looked great last week and things like that where a, a, a lot of fans, I think, right now, not a lot, but there, there is a minority, I think, out there that are look, they, they feel like asset collection is very important and they're just completely looking ahead. And I think what they're missing here is something that's really important going on, like you're talking about how good a job Todd Bowles is doing, but look at all the young players who are developing in front of our eyes, and this is where you create the future, isn't it? Well, if I could be very honest and candid with you, um, and I don't mean this toward any fan, but a mentality that wants to see a team struggle to go get a certain draft pick is a loser's mentality. And that can't be the mentality you have as an organization that's a loser's mentality that is very hard to get rid of if you have that mentality and it's very hard to produce success if you have that mentality the mentality that you have to have in professional sports or any type of sporting arena matter of fact in business yep is that we will try to win every chance we get and every time they keep score on the football field we are trying to win and all you have to do is look at the history of uh, draft picks of quarterbacks. 
and you are not guaranteed that you will get a franchise guy. Sam Darnold may not be a franchise quarterback. Luke Falk may not be one. Josh Rosen may not be one. There may be another guy that becomes a franchise quarterback because of the culture that he's placed in and the organization that he's placed with. That's right. And then sometimes there may be a quarterback that could have been a franchise quarterback, but because of the organization and culture he was placed in could not reach his full potential. And so as a fan, you need to focus on your organization and are they providing a winning culture and are they providing a place for every player to be successful. And if you have that, you don't have to have a, quote, top pick to have to have success. All right, Chad, so let's dive into this weekend's matchup against the Cleveland Browns. The Jets are looking to make it three in a row in 2017, have yet to win a game on the road. So... What is a for a, more of a, a general formula for success in as a visitor? Sunday's winning formula last week, which had a lot of negatives to it, uh, cannot be that formula this week on the road. Uh, if the things that happen at home uh, that happened last week happen on the road in Cleveland, the Jets will come back with a loss. Um, so you're you're playing a desperate. An 0-14 that is starving for a win. And let me tell you, they're looking at this Jets team going, this is a prime team for us to get our first win. That's how they're looking at the Jets. They're they're not fearing the Jets at all. Uh, They see this as, they probably see themselves as equal to the Jets, the Browns do, thinking that we should be 2-2 as well. Um, And so the Jets are stepping into a situation where there can be no uh, type of feelings that this one is already uh, written down in the books that this is a Jets victory just because this team is 0-4. To me, this is a barometer uh, to see how mature this Jets team is. Um, are they going to step into this situation in Cleveland with a sense of urgency, with a sense of de- desperation, like they have played with the last two games? Or now are they going to step into the situation like, well, we're better than this team, we've arrived, and and we'll roll our helmets out there and win this game. A ton of football left to be played, uh, well said. Great analysis, and, uh, you know, we're happy to hear that you're winning some shootouts down there in Lexington, Kentucky, Chad. We are. The Colts got a big victory on uh, Monday, 36-28 victory, a very exciting game, went all the way down into the fourth quarter. uh, Just love coaching kids and, and being involved with game of football. And I hear, the, I hear the offensive coordinator's been pretty creative. <laughs> you know, the offensive coordinator was on the hot seat. He really <laughs> was. And, and uh, he was, you know, they were looking at possibly replacing him after four games, but he was able to bounce back and, and to help the team win on Monday. Thanks, buddy. We look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, thank you, guys. Well, Greens, you hear the excitement in Pennington's voice. Obviously, he's really happy about the youth football success he's having down there. <laughs> you know that guy really enjoys calling plays, and, uh, you know, good for him. And I also like the way he breaks it down for us each and every week when he's available because uh, he understands the quarterback position, and he is well aware of the situation Josh McCown is in right now. And uh, McCown playing at a high level for this Jets team, and I anticipated it uh, to continue this week against Cleveland. Uh, this would be something. First three-game win streak in McCown's career. He's been uh, doing this for a long time, 
only remaining quarterback in the 2002 mm -hmm. NFL draft, as we talk about. So, it, you know, it's going to mean something to him going back there. And uh, this is this is one of those moments where, like, sports and not Hollywood, but the Hollywood storylines kind of overlap. You, I mean, you mentioned it, that he's never had a three-game winning streak, but if he beats his former team yeah. – then he'll do that for the first time in Wouldn't his career. Wouldn't it be something, too, if the Jets were 3-2? and two, Absolutely. And the Patriots come to town? Listen, Patriots are a, a, a great team who's tasted a tremendous amount of success. But, you know, MetLife Stadium was jumping the first two weeks. And I would anticipate, you know, a really festive atmosphere for a week Oops. six matchup between the two old AFC East rivals, but the Jets can't afford to look ahead of themselves. So before we uh, head out here on the official Jets podcast, EA, I ask this question every week, and that means I'm going to ask it again. All right. Is give me one matchup or one person that you're really looking forward to see play on Sunday. I think Marcus May, and I just came up with this because even though you do ask that question every week, I just, I just thought about – the Jets will face a rookie quarterback for the first time. He's a guy who's very talented in Deshaun Kaiser, who also can tuck the ball under and run it. But if the Jets get a lead in this ball game, he's going to put it up, and they'll have some opportunities in the defensive backfield for some plays. So I'm calling for a Marcus May interception Ooh, this week. Okay. Yeah, I'm calling He's a guy who I think sometimes goes a little bit under the radar because, because Adams has been so good. But uh, I think Marcus May is going to get his first NFL takeaway this week. All right, there's a little <laughs> foreshadow for you. I'm, a, I'm looking forward to the defensive line play of the New York Jets, and we talked about this earlier. I think that Leonard and Mo Wilkerson have been a little under the radar, and I think that obviously they've been a little banged up here and there, Mo with the shoulder and Leonard with the wrist from a couple of weeks ago. But I think this is this is the game where one of those guys gets their first sack of 2017. Yeah, I think the Jets get a couple sacks this week, no and, doubt. And conversely, I'm just curious to see what Miles Garrett looks like in person because I, I was not a big Texas A&M A&M watcher. He's the number one overall pick. Draft pundits are like this guy – you know, they have their grading charts, and yep. he was one of the highest in recent years. So I want to see what this guy's like in, in person, if he's legit, and I'm sure he's going to be eager to get on the field. Yeah, and I wonder how many defensive plays they'll have him in, if they're going to break him in slowly as far as packages, sub-packages, mm -hmm. things like that. Is he ready to get 50 defensive snaps? He hasn't played football in a long time. It, now it, he's been on the practice field, but, you know, it's a different deal. And, which leads me to... The Jets' tackles are, are doing a, a, a decent job, I think, right now. I think Kelvin Beecham has uh, done a, a, a very good job at left tackle. And uh, you saw Brent Qualley filling last week at right tackle. That Jacksonville pass rush can get after, but mm -hmm. the Jets shredded them on the ground. All right, that's all we have for the official Jets podcast game preview. Again, Jets and Browns, 1 p.m. this week, not CBS two AFC teams on Fox, one of the rarities here in the NFL. Greens is going on the road with us this, this week, everybody, so we might have a road report. A road that, report, next, I like that. Next week, be okay. before we preview the Jets and Patriots, but uh, you know the green and white can't afford to look at that. This is going to be a fun one this weekend. All right, Jets-Browns this weekend. The Jets looking to extend their winning streak to three games. Make sure to tune in, and next week, 
you foreshadowed it, make sure to tune in for the road report.